on, everyone? Welcome back to another week of Living with Will. I know it's been a long time. You've probably been like, damn, I'm fiending for some Will living. I have been too. Trust me, I understand. It's been a while, but it was worth the wait. We're here with one of the most blue-chip established Web2 companies in the world, which, as it so happens, has made their way into Web3 in a major way. You may have seen their publications across the globe, across time, and across space. But we're not here to talk about time necessarily. We're here to talk about the woman behind time. We're here to talk about the woman behind the mirror, if this was Wizard of Oz. The holder of the keys, the holder of the truth. The woman behind time pieces. Time Web 3, and it's called Time Pieces. I'm here with Tamika, she's amazing. She's incredible. She represents the brand better than anyone I've ever met. So if you're listening to this and you work at Time, if you're the president of Time right now, just know you've picked the right person, the right human, the right legend to represent your brand. Welcome back to another week, everyone. It's been too long. I'm so grateful to be back. Make sure you're checking out Olympic Boulevard every week. Make sure you're listening to Julio Slim on a regular basis. Get your daily dose of Julio Slim. And if you aren't following Time Pieces, I highly recommend it. And you're about to see why. Welcome back to another week. Thank you so much for joining me, Tamika. This is so exciting. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am excited. I have. This is one of those landmark moments because I'm looking for people who are listening only. Um, she has the time hundred like adjacent <laughs> her, and um, this is like a full full circle moment because I grew up on time, and uh, here I am speaking with the with the face and and the mouth of the organization. So, if you could kind of take us a little step back, you know, how did how did this journey with time begin for you? Where did where did yeah. you start your Web3 journey and how did it lead to such a prestigious corporation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I actually started, uh, I actually just celebrated my one year anniversary at Time um, last month. Yeah, so that was super exciting. Um, but I have been full-time in Web3 for a little over two years now. Um, my first role in Web3 was for a small project called Jam. Uh, they were hosted on the Flow blockchain um, and they did comedy NFTs. So the goal there was to increase revenue and cons uh, create consistent revenue for comedians post the like pandemic shutdown um, where comedians like just weren't able to do stand up and with no stand up meant no money. So that was my first kind of taste of NFTs and what it could realistically do for creators over time. Um, and I wasn't necessarily like job searching or looking for an out in any way. Like I was really happy with my job, um, but the role at time came up um, and it was actually like a little bit of a step back because uh, it was going from a manager role to uh, kind of like a social strategist role where I would oversee the timepieces Twitter account. Um, and, you know, I went back and forth for a second where I was like, okay, like I've only been in Web3 full time for like at that point, like nine or 10 months. Um, and I was like, would I realistically be hired at time? Um, 
and yeah, I was, and I was like, oh shit. Um, I mean, you can't say no. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> this is a really big move. So um, I decided to head over, um, and actually, five months in, an opportunity uh, presented itself for me to be able to move up. So now I oversee all, all of artist relations and marketing, um, including all of the Twitter Spaces, and like people have gotten to know my voice via Twitter Spaces <laughs> far and wide. Um, and yeah, and now um, I oversee artist relations and marketing that is so badass when you were first starting was that a trajectory you were trying to go in or is it just kind of you saw yourself thriving in it and were like yeah i can do this yeah so when the opportunity to move into the artist relations role came up um the person that was in that role was my supervisor at the time um and i think she recognized she was like yeah like i know in your previous role you managed a lot more and she was like i think she's like there's no one that we would consider better for this. Um, and at that point, because of all of the time I spend on Twitter, I have gotten to know so many people in this space. I've created some incredible relationships with our artists. Um, and it's, I think one of the best parts about kind of like the social strategy role and like being the person on Twitter um, is that like, I don't have to be a stuffy, right? Like. <laughs> when people talk to me, like I get like it's time and like, you know, legacy brand and you have to maintain some sort of air professionalism, but it had allowed me to really get to know the space and our artists and our community in a more informal way. So then when I did move into a role where it was supporting the artists more strategically, I already had like a great relationship with them and they could ask me for what they need and that those lines of communication were open versus like somebody having to come in and reestablish those relationships and reestablish that trust. And it was just such a natural kind of like transition that I, I was like, there's really no way that I could say no. Like time has many a times put me in a position where I'm like, let's fucking do it. Why yeah. not? <laughs> what am I doing? Come on bring it <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i love that and power to time for for doing that too because you know you love to see when companies are empowering of their employees because it's we, we don't see that outside of our industry very much so it's it's really pleasant to see and you know i'm curious for for folks who are working in whether it's traditional entertainment or in the web3 scene in an artist relations role when you're you know what are some what are some tips or some tricks you've learned? Because a lot of people struggle with artist relations. They, yeah. It doesn't seem to come as naturally to most. So what are some things that you've learned along the way? Yeah, I think some of the biggest things that I've learned um, is really the palpable difference between artist management and artist relations, um, at least how we define it in Web3, right? Like, I would say a big element in Web2 um, is managing the artists, right? Making sure that they're paid, making sure that, like, they're straight in kind of like the resource management of it all. Um, but one of the biggest things that attracted me to Web3 was that, and I firmly believe that creators are the foundation of Web3, like artists, photographers, digital artists, like without them in this space, we would not have half of what we have. Um, and they create a space uh, through, like that we can connect to through their illustrations. Um, but that also means really being able to create a foundation in a community where the artists can thrive and where they can tell their, their story and then where they can be fairly compensated for it, right? Like compensation, not just being, oh, like I'll promote you on a Twitter space or like I'll retweet something of yours. Like 
paying artists, providing them opportunities to grow their network, to grow their community, to showcase their art, um, giving them the opportunity to show up in real life um, and really further their careers. I would say that that is the biggest difference between my role in Web3 and artist relations versus what you would possibly be doing in another sector. I love that. And for folks who are just listening, I'm nodding vigorously because it's uh, everything you're saying. I agree with like at the core, uh, it's like why I got in the entertainment industry in the first place. It's it, you would hope more folks would be like that in entertainment and, and in artist relations roles. Unfortunately, I don't know where it gets lost. Maybe when you include finances, people yes. get, they focus too much on the money, but I'm really grateful that time as someone like you who's focused on what matters most, which is which is the art and the artists and the creators. Um, and thank you. And uh, to that point, I, I have kind of a two-part question. I'll start it on the side of timepieces. Um, what was the like, you know, catalyst point for time seeing the opportunity, being this legacy brand? A lot of legacy brands have stayed out of the web three space. Um, where did that story begin for timepieces? And then um, if, if I can ask it again, but then how does that segue into how you yourself interact with the artists that you guys yeah. work with? No, that's a really great question. Um, and I'm gonna try and summarize this story. Like, I feel like I've grown up on this story over the last year. Um, but when Keith Grossman was president of Time, he ultimately presented the idea of moving into Web3 to the larger Time infrastructure. So that includes kind of like the board um, that makes decisions for the organization and the new CEO, who you now know is also the CEO of Salesforce. Um, so really having to present that opportunity came down to the fact that the organization wanted to go in a direction where they wanted to prioritize more digital experiences, right? So time turned 100 this year, um, and the majority of time readers um, are legacy readers who have been getting the magazine mailed to their house for years. Um, but as we know, media and how we kind of portray news stories and like pop culture and what's going on in the world has shifted significantly with the age of the internet. Um, and time as a brand really needed to shift as well to be able to meet that. Um, so I would say over the last three years, there have been a few different strategic moves that have been made so that time can really bring itself into the 21st century of like media brands. Um, and the first of which was accepting Keith's bid for introducing time into the Web3 space. Um, so that was back in 2021. Um, and later that year, in November of 2021, Timepieces had their Genesis collection, um, which was the first time that we worked with artists, both in Web3 and outside of the space as well, um, to really be able to start to introduce what the opportunities for blockchain and NFTs could really be for a space and a company like Time. Um, and since then, we've made quite a few different strides to bring the entirety of the organization into this new digital space. Um, Timepieces now has six different collections um, and I oversee like 160 artists across all six collections at this point. Um, and they are absolutely incredible. Some of them are Web3 native, some of them aren't. Um, 
and they are incredibly diverse in their own right. Photographers, digital artists, painters, we have sculptors. Um, our last collection with Deepak Chopra, we had artifacts, 3D environments that were made, um, which was one of the most technologically innovative collections that we've had thus far. Um, and then for the larger time organization, they recently decided to drop the paywall to access time.com, which was a really big move as well. Um, because the digital divide and access to information is a really big issue. And as we move towards an area of decentralization, we also have to give people the opportunity to access the information that they need. Um, and I'm super excited to see the organization just work more intentionally towards that goal of being more digital friendly and more digitally intentional. I love this. I, I love everything about this. And and some of those, some of the artists that you all have collaborated with, I, I not only am a huge fan of, but some of them I call friends. And to see them be able to have that, like, you know, it, it, look, at the end of the day, art is art, right? It's in the, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But to have a brand like Time co-sign you, I'm sure for them is incredibly gratifying, yeah. you know? Oh yes. And like, we, we want to do that, right? Like we want to give artists the opportunity to say like, I have been co-signed by time, right? We want that to be what opens doors for you. We, we want that to be what is the catalyst for your career. Um, and if we could do that for more and more artists, then that's really all we want is for creators to feel seen and to feel like their journeys matter and that they are fairly compensated for the incredible work that they're putting out into the world. So awesome. And I was thinking this when you said that you work with 160 artists. If you were in the music industry, you would probably be the most successful AR in history. That. <laughs> That's a really I, good way of looking at it. <laughs> that, though. that seems like you would have absolutely no time to do anything. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> My biggest thing like during the day is like sending people an email being like, does this have to be a meeting or can it be an email? Like, I really wish <laughs> that we all asked ourselves that question before we put a meeting on somebody's calendar. Like, can this be an email? Like, I think one of the biggest uh, like discrepancies about working in Web3 is that like we are all about the technology, but nobody uses technology to pass along information. <laughs> Um, everybody just schedules a, a meeting. Um, and that's one of the things that I will single-handedly disrupt myself because I will 100% send a message and say, is this, does, does this have to be a thing? <laughs> no, it's right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for, okay, this is actually brings up something I think will be really beneficial to folks in the Web3 space, in any industry really, but we work on these 24-hour cycles in this you know, in this crazy crypto blockchain world, um, it does not make life work, work life balance particularly easy. Yeah. Um, for yourself, you know, what are some ways that you're able to find that fine line? Um, what are some things that you've picked up along the way you think might help other people? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to preface this by saying that I am in no way the spokesperson for like work life balance. Um, I'm really <laughs> shitty at it. Okay. <laughs> I would have to say that I have seasons. I have seasons where I'm good at it and like this shit is going great. And I ate dinner every night to, uh, this week and <laughs> I woke up at 9 a.m. every day this week and I went to the gym and I ran all my errands. And then the next week, like 
I will show up in sweats and you should just be happy that I'm here. So I definitely am not the spokesperson for this, but I would definitely have to say it's managing your own expectations for yourself. Like I don't create unrealistic expectations for myself. Like I know that I work in web three and that like, I will never be perfect at this. There will never be a month long capacity where I am waking up on time, going to the gym, meditating, writing in my journal, uh, like even putting on the blue light glasses before I like stare at the laptop all day. It's oh, a to do. <laughs> it's a to do. Um, so just giving myself realistic expectations, right? And like touching on certain things per day is going to be a really big thing. Um, learning to close my laptop so that I can eat has been a really big change for me and no longer doing working lunches. Um, it's just kind of small changes like that. Um, I also manage the time pieces Twitter and I love social media. Like it's a thing. Like I remember being a teenager and my parents hated me for it. And then like I started dating my fiance and he hates me for it. And like <laughs> everyone, everyone is like, get off your phone. And like, and I love socials, so it it also makes it difficult to disconnect because when you love socials and you're in Web3, it's like a recipe for disaster. Um, but also being intentional about the tools that I have to keep socials going and knowing that like realistically, there's nothing detrimental that I'm going to miss on social media that's really going to bring time pieces down, okay? <laughs> like, And just being okay with the fact that like we're not curing cancer here. Like... I can disconnect from this for a time being. I can automate like tweets to go out. There are resources and tools out there that will allow me to take my time back. And it's up to me to create the time to set them up and make sure that they are something that I can use in the long run. Um, so that's always the advice that I give to people is just be intentional about how you set up your boundaries. Cause sometimes when our boundaries are too kind of like big, we struggle to reach them and then we feel like failures um and like what we were talking about with drinking water like i drink like six or seven bottles of water a day my fiance hates it i leave empty bottles of water all over my apartment like and then when i go to the fridge and there's no water in there i'm the first one to complain so <laughs> So, and just being intentional about like, okay, like if I want to increase my water intake, right, I need to do it little by little so it's not intimidating. And I think the same thing with boundaries in Web3 um, is just being intentional about how you set those boundaries and be realistic about what you can achieve um, and add a little bit more of those boundaries regularly. Like don't get to a place where you become complacent um, because we have seasons. There are times at time where we have a drop, right? We have uh, artists that have drops coming up. We have our own drops coming up. We have collaborations happening. Um, the Discord is popping, like, and then there are times where it's a little more quiet um, and we are able to just kind of breathe and like being okay in our seasons and recognizing that certain seasons require certain boundaries and others don't is also a big thing. That's so awesome. And I love how you said you weren't an expert on it. I And I wouldn't claim to be one either, but I would <laughs> say you just gave amazing advice. I took some, I actually took notes personally, no more working lunches. I'm going to incorporate that. <laughs> um, so valid, so true. I think the pacing yourself into change is something I personally need to work on as well. I'm sure many listeners will will find value in that too. So you might not be an expert, but you're, you're damn near clear. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah, no, it's truly. And you know, this brings me back to 
you mean my original kind of line of questioning where we started, which is how you got to timepieces in the first place. When you first got into Web3 and you started working at Jam, um, what was your what was your catalyst or what was the point of, you know, change where you were like, I'm going from Web2 to Web3, I'm going full time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've been a creator myself for, wow, five years now. Um, which is insane to think about. Um, and my fix has always been Instagram um, and I'm starting to venture into TikTok a little bit. Um, but as a creator, I've always struggled with ways to monetize um, what I put out online. Um, and you know, when you spend a lot of time on social media, right? Like the comparison is easy to end up in. Like you see people who are, getting these brand trips. You see people who are um, like getting money from like creator funds. And like in the back of your mind, you're like, I have a full-time job. Like I have a dog, like I have shit that I need to be paying attention to. Like, what do I need to give up? Like, who do I need to pay <laughs> to be able to get these opportunities? Because like, I can't post four times a day, right? Like I can't be tied to this in a way that would get the attentions of the attention of the powers that be. Um, but also like you also recognize that you are bringing value to these platforms in a lot of ways as well. Um, and even if you're not the person with a million followers, or even if you're not like to undervalue what you bring to the table, because the structures and the powers that be don't recognize your value is a really diminishing place to be. Um, and I would have to say that for me, that was my like, okay, I knew that I wanted to focus on that creator element. I know long-term in my career, I wanna continue working with creators um, and creatives overall. Um, and for me, that was the defining thing where I was like, yeah, like if I can work to change the structure from the inside, then I definitely will. Um, I think the second reason I decided to go into Web3 is like I'm perpetually online. Like I can think back to my first desktop computer. I can think back to my AIM username. I can think back to like what AOL dial-up was for me. Like these were life-changing things for me. Oh, yeah. Okay? Um, yeah. like I I was on, we have a show on time pieces called the Good News Show, and I was talking about uh getting my first Sega Genesis and like what that was like for me. And so moving into the next iteration of the internet, there was no like thought about it. <laughs> like this is coming. I'm very technologically like connected. I, I couldn't imagine not going in this direction. Um, and so I kind of just jumped in with both feet and learned on the way. I have so many resources that I was collecting when I first started out to really understand like DGEN language, like whole glossaries of trying to understand like what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> and really just trying to immerse myself in this culture. And like to think now that it's been two and a half years since that time is really insane. Um, but those are always the things that I personally found passion in. And it was just a matter of time until I was able to kind of like find an intersection between what I was passionate about and actually making it my career. Mm. Wow, that is that is a powerful fusion that I think few people get to experience. And I'm so grateful that you're you're finding that. Um, and also a uh, quick shout out to the the Good News Show, to Rachel, Rachel Wilkin. Yeah. 
and team. Uh, I'm so, what an amazing collab that was. Yes, it is very exciting. Uh, today, we had our episode today. We already have over 250 listeners. Um, by the end of the week, it'll probably be like over three, 400. Um, Rachel's show is exceptional. The Timepieces community loves it. Um, and it just brings a breath of fresh air to what we're already doing here, right? Like I feel like a lot around Web3 and a lot of the sentiments right now are really negative um, because people tend to feel negative when it's tied to their money. <laughs> um, but Rachel does a really good job of really highlighting the innovation and like thought leadership that's happening in the space because the space will continue to evolve regardless of what the market is doing. Um, and she is coining that intersection and I really love that. Yes, it's, it's amazing. And it, it's so nice to see, like you were saying, the past two to three years, this like mass of, uh, of, of artists, of creators, yeah. of founders, of developers, we all kind of like flooded into either Clubhouse or Twitter spaces with yeah. a dream and an idea and, a, <laughs> and maybe a team of our own or maybe we came alone like many yeah. of us did and have created these amazing communities. Yeah. Some people have created amazing roles and jobs. Like it's unreal. It's, it's like a dream. Yes. And it's, it's, it's crazy to think that like when, when Clubhouse was a thing, um, that sometimes you can overlook like what talking does. Um, and sometimes you're like, oh, you know, like people are just talking, people talk shit all the time, right? Like it, it, what are like, what's gonna come from it? And there are people in the timepieces community who established their relationship during Clubhouse. Um, and knowing and being able to meet these people in real life and knowing we would have never connected if it wasn't for that starting point is incredible. This wouldn't happen right now. I wouldn't have a show. Yep. If this, <laughs> that, that whole, all that changed my life. I wouldn't know people like Rachel. I wouldn't know you. Like, I, it's, it's, it changed my life. It changed many people's lives. And while we're on the topic, um, what's a moment that's happened in the past three years where you were like, oh my God, like, where Web3 just kind of showed you, like, wow, like, potential is limitless in this yeah, life? That's a good question. There are so many. Um, at NFT NYC this year, uh, there was, there's a young creator that I met on Twitter um, who stopped by the timepieces. We did like a timepieces wonks uh, joint meetup um, at Trailer Park in Manhattan. And uh, Rachel comes up to me and she's like, hey, there's somebody here to meet you. And I turn around and it's this 15 year old kid tall as hell, right? Like I can tell that this is a teenager and I'm like, hi. And I'm like, where would I have known a 15 year old kid from? And he's like, hi, my name is KJ. We met on Twitter. Um, and I was like, oh my God. Like to meet a young man on Twitter, he's a creator himself. Uh, he's an artist. And when he hit me up on Twitter, his biggest thing was, I, I want to be a timepieces artist so bad. Um, and we had no idea how we would ever meet. He lives on the other side of the country. And then for him to just kind of show up at this meetup um, and for me to meet him and his parents and to hear his story. And like, there have been so many times like that where I'm just like forever changed by the caliber of people this space attracts. Um, and even down to the children, like I'm enamored by how Gen Z has tackled Web3 <laughs> and has made this their own. Um, and I think that they are going to be better for it, in my opinion. Um, I also have a 13-year-old sister who like the usage of the internet, the access to the internet has always been a realization for her. And 
being and being able to meet KJ and see how much his parents supported him was absolutely life-changing. And there have been multiple times throughout the last three years where I have met people that I'm so completely close with. I rely on them. They have become fast friends and they're all in some way related to Web3. It's unreal. Yeah. I had a similar experience at NFT NYC the year before with Nyla Hayes and her family. Oh, yes. It was unreal. I, I, I love got, her. She's, she's not just incredible. A little lady. I call her all the time. <laughs> an incredible woman, an incredible artist, yep. and an amazing businesswoman. Yep. And it's like, yo, how old are you again? Are the you ability kidding? to like develop those types of skills at that no. age is going to be bar. Like there are so many things that I can think about, like even five years ago that I didn't know <laughs> where, where I was like, I'm just learning on the fly. Like I'm just here <laughs> um, and whatever I can absorb while I'm here is what I will get. And like children like Nyla and KJ who are developing these incredible business skills, the ability to like kind of stand up for themselves, to speak about what they believe in it is going to change that generation and how they function overall. And I'm so excited that Web3 can be a part of that. Agreed. And, and a quick shout out, power to the parents. You yeah. are doing an amazing job with your kids. Yeah. Um, shout out to our parents too. Obviously they did an amazing job. <laughs> uh, yes. But, yeah, wow. My mom accepts that. My mom very much accepts that. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think there's, it's, it's credit to them too of, of being kind of, guarded and jaded to this yeah. new internet world. You know, my yeah. folks are similar of being wary of social media, I think rightfully so. It's like yeah. open door to a child, which is yes. weird. But, you know, it's also has this amazing other side of it, which is we see with KJ and Nyla, where you yeah. give kids this access and yeah, like the world is a scary place, but yeah. you can thrive if, if you learn it and you adapt to it and you incorporate it into your your repertoire of skills as, yes. as these kids are doing flawlessly yes. and I'm taking notes. I'm yes. taking notes right. Like I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> exactly. Oh, that's amazing. Well, as, as you as a creative and as an artist as well, what's next, what's next in the chapter of your art career? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I continue to be a creator myself um, and create content, kind of showcase all of the different ways that my life kind of, I've learned so much um, in my like 30 years of existence. Um, and I'm amazed to still be learning every day. And I think one of the biggest things for me with being a content creator is being able to pass on things that I've learned. Um, the digital divide is a really big deal for me and people's ability to access information and knowledge online is something that I'm really, really passionate about. Um, and I think that creators are an incredible intersection of that, um, even down to some of our timepieces artists, right, who are able to illustrate their journeys, their culture, their traditions um, through their art. And for me, that is a really big deal because representation is something that is not often seen. Um, and when we talk about decentralization, I think that representation, closing the digital divide, access for creators are all really big conversations around that. Um, so those are gonna be things that I personally and professionally continue to work on, um, both in my work at time and outside. That's amazing. And and we, we need it so desperately. There's gonna be folks who listen to this show who it is lost on them, the, the digital divide and the lack of representation that exists. As, as, as someone who it means a lot too, how are those ways that you explain to people the, the, the facts of the matter? Like, do, are there some statistics, statistics you can share? Are there things that you can kind of- Yeah, 
please. No, that's a great question. Um, today, we actually had a conversation around the use of AI in classrooms. Um, there are a few, uh, I don't know if you remember, like growing up, there were a few different, like of those tutoring uh, companies that we would see on television, right? And like, uh, like come here for your SATs. Uh, and a few of them are starting to incorporate AI. So the conversation around whether or not teachers will utilize AI in the classroom came up. Um, and as a product of the New York City public school system, the first thing that I thought of is the fact that one, there are going to be many teachers, even professors at the college level who just refuse to utilize this technology in their classrooms. Um, and that's going to be a really big barrier for students in the long run, um, because we're going to start to see incredible discrepancies around how students learn um, and what they come out of. And those discrepancies are going to be even wider when you think about the fact that students are already not on an equal playing field, right? Like. I remember being in public school and having issues around getting a desk in a classroom, right? Like if you were late for class, you could almost guarantee that you would not be able to get a desk and you'd have to go to another class to get a desk. Um, and it seems like such a small trivial thing, but the lack of resources in inner city schools um, being exacerbated by the issue around introducing AI to certain schools it's going to be astounding. So when we talk about the digital divide, that's exactly what we're talking about issues around resources for children in certain areas of this country. Um, and although technology is an amazing addition to really helping bridge this gap, it's really not gonna help the kids that are at the bottom because their teachers aren't gonna wanna do it or their, or their schools are just not gonna have the resources to introduce it. And we're still gonna see other kids in more affluent areas skyrocket now with the introduction of AI, um, leaving behind a lot of kids. There are also a lot of kids in New York City who still don't have computers at home, right. um, which was something that we saw during the pandemic when everything shut down and students had to like learn from home. Um, teachers were exhausted because students didn't have certain areas in their house that were quiet for them to learn. Like for a lot of kids, going to school is the reprieve. Like going to school is the opportunity for them to get away from like the bullshit that they experience in their home lives. Um, and if we can't bridge those gaps at a foundational level, the introduction of all of this amazing technology is really only going to make the gap bigger. Um, and I really, really hope that when we talk about decentralization and we talk about like technological innovation, we also introduce the conversation around access and resources and how we can actually bring this to the people that need it the most. So poignant um, and and true. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful you spoke on it because I was re literally reading something earlier that I was getting so excited about the potential AI has as an educational tool, because it was like, oh, we're gonna be able to educate kids based on all different yeah. learning patterns. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so beautiful. And yeah. pointed. But it, to your point, only if you have access. Yep. And if you don't have access, it's just another point of which you can fall behind. Yep. It creates more, more of a burden and more of a lack of access. And there already is this growing divide that yep. we're making it larger. I actually, it, when I first got into the blockchain space, it was because I believed, oh, financial freedom and self-sovereignty, this is the way we're going to be able to cure these problems, right? And I was talking with a friend of mine named Jack Platts, really smart blockchain um, investor. He like, has his own VC, shout out Jack Platts. And um, he was like, Will, I hate to break it to you, but there's something called the Gini coefficient, and it studies wealth inequality in the world. And he was like, based on the GD coefficient, blockchain is more unequal than society because mm -hmm. of exactly what you're speaking on. 
And I was like, oh my God, dude. Yep. And then it's the that. boom started. And then everyone started making that opinion, right? Like yep. NFT sales are predominantly male dominated, even though yep. there's not a lack of female artists. It's just yep. a lack of like collectorship. There's yep. these like blaring statistics that are only growing. Uh, you got work to do. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to get like excited in one area and then remember all of the shit that you're like, oh, fuck. Like <laughs> it is. Um, but I think like, all we can do, especially with people who are intentional in this space, like I think that's one of the best things about it. And and even when we talk about Web3, right? A lot of the time the naysayers and like the people who are like increasing the FUD and rugging and like shit like that, they tend to rise to the top because everybody loves to talk shit. Like that is just the reality of being a human being, right? Like people like to exchange negative information, even if you don't realize you're doing it consciously. But there are so many people in this space who are doing positive work and who are trying to really be able to bridge these gaps. Um, and they should be the ones that rise to the top. And if there's anything that we do highlight at time, it's the work of the incredible people who continuously show up for this space in a positive way. So awesome. I love that. And, and I will continue to do my best to, to add and bolster in that with, you know, interviews like me. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is a big, this is a big landmark for me in the show. So I'm really grateful that you had the time and um, that you allowed us in, in what I'm sure is an incredibly busy schedule. Please. So, I'm grateful you asked and I'm really happy that we were able to chat and get to know each other. This was before, really awesome. I'm so grateful. Before we head out, I, I want to give you the, the space. Is there anything on the timepieces front or on your personal career level that you would want to share with people? Any upcoming drops or anything of note? Yeah. Oh, an opportunity to show. Yeah, why not? So <laughs> we actually have a joint collaboration with audio galleries. Um, over the next two weeks, we have two artists that are going to be dropping incredible pieces. Um, this Friday, Arena BB, who is a timepieces artist, is dropping her piece. Um, you missed yet another generational wealth train. Um, and it is an incredible piece that really highlights um, the emotions around not being able to capitalize on certain opportunities in this space um, and really feeling like you're constantly falling behind the like get rich quick opportunities that show up, um, not being able to invest in certain things and really trying to make this space a place where all investors in every way can feel comfortable um, and acknowledging the emotions behind that as well. Um, so I'm super excited for that. That mint happens this Friday. Um, and next week we have another mint in conjunction with audio galleries as well um, with Karen W. And she's another incredible artist in the space. Keep an eye out on the timepieces account because we will definitely be promoting both um both incredible artists and all of these are in conjunction with audio galleries and they will be on open sea um and rug radio is also another partner too so nice do we have any tamika work that we can show uh that's a great question follow me everywhere um <laughs> follow me on instagram on LinkedIn, those are both where I'm most active. Um, the Tamika Bazil, um, and you can find me on almost every platform underneath that username. And if you didn't have time to hear that or write it down, it will be in the description below. Awesome. So you all will be able to find it everywhere. Tamika, thank you so much. I have one final question for you before we uh, just, you know, go off into uh, the world of Web3 yet again. Um, Words of motivation, inspiration, aspiration, things you can tell the audience to uh, to push them to continue doing what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
Words of motivation. I would always say, remain in tune with yourself. Um, sometimes your mind responds in ways that you may not expect. Sometimes your body responds in ways that you may not expect, but don't always expect both of them to work in conjunction with each other. Um, if you are feeling negative emotions in your body, sometimes your mind is not attuned to that and you still need to adjust. Um, so learn to listen to how your body is responding to things and and recognize that our minds are not always rational and we sometimes have to kind of bring it back to a physical place where we can really align ourselves and do what we need to do to maintain our sanity, um, to maintain our boundaries and to continue doing the good work that we're doing. Um, but for all of us in this space who are doing incredible work, being intentional, it is so important that we are not pouring from a glass half full. Wow. Thank you so much. That was an incredible episode. Bump in the road, minus setback. I cannot forget that. You see me sell soft, I regret that. I carry the supply like a kid pack. And you ain't have to talk, you just stare back. You already know where my head at. I'm trying to get this bread, Jack. And really, I ain't trying to hear that. It's clear that. The shit a nigga talk about. I really done did that. I really done lived that. Well, you wouldn't want your kids at. You wouldn't want your crib back. Nigga, I can't even sit back without the strap. Nigga, I can't even relax without the pack. It's all on the line, nigga. I can't even fall back. I fell down, but I crawled back. Looking for the money, power, respect, all that. A true hustler, what you call that? Got me feeling like MF Doom on all caps. Look. Told y'all, man. Fucked up. You put your money on the laws, man, they told y'all wrong. The one already sold y'all songs. Records from the heart that was hot like the stove still on. The herd dripping while it closed the lawn. The frozen arm. Compliment the golden charms. I make chess moves on facade. I'm so nonchalant. All with the flick of the wrist. Savage triple double steals and assists. It's like I'm running the point. Oscar Robinson puffing his joint with 40s and 4 fives. That's a lot of points. I write crime like Donald Goins. Hustle for the coins, breaking down chicken tenderloins. Money make a lot of shit, null and void. Life you can't avoid. Keep it with me cause I'm paranoid. Big Glock shots make a scary noise. Keep it very poised. Turn your group of men into scary boys.